welcome to Take 10 for Men. We are 10-minute conversations with inspiring men about how they manage their mental health. My name is Sophia Hatzis. I am the host of the show, and we speak to men from all walks of life, like Gotcha for Life founder Gus Walland. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I truly believe that vulnerability is a new way to lead. There's stuff that we do that is good. There's stuff that we just don't know what we're doing. It's nothing wrong with being human and explaining that to the people that you love. Episodes drop every Monday morning, so make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast so you're the first to know when they're available. Welcome back to Take 10 for Men. We are 10-minute conversations with inspiring men about how they manage their mental health. And today we are joined by Jake O'Brien. Jake, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Soph. Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And when I ask how are you, the way that I like to start these conversations is to rate that if you could on a scale of one to 10. So if you were to think of one sort of being the lowest of lows and 10 being the highest of highs, where would you say you sit on that scale today? Mm, let's go ahead and just shoot for a nine today. To be real, I've just had a quite a few good days in a row. This morning in the mail, I think I've got it right here, is my new diploma which kind of literally just got into my hands about 10 minutes ago and um yeah once we get into my story a little bit realize that it's been a bit of a mess and it's all kind of just really coming together and finally moving forward with a bunch of exciting stuff in the next kind of few weeks so yeah just genuinely feeling pretty pretty on top of life right now and nine out of ten always room for improvement amazing well you're looking great it looks like you're working out heaps uh and also congratulations on the diploma i know that's something you're really excited about before we do get into your story because it is a absolute minefield and there is a lot to unpack i want to go back to your childhood and i want to ask you a little bit about what your childhood was like and do you have mostly positive or negative memories from when you were growing up? Wow. Um, damn it. Left field with that one. I don't actually remember much of my childhood at all from like 13 below. I don't know why. I think I had, um, look, I did have some pretty traumatic crap happen around my like early teens. Um, there was a big falling out with my mum and my stepdad at the time and uh, it was really ugly and, um, yeah, I think my brain kind of just like anything kind of before then, I just don't really remember to be honest, which is really odd, like talk to other people about that childhoods and they can recite things from when they were 10 and I, I literally can't, but it was okay. I live in a pretty nice area. I'm here on the northern beaches of Australia, so it's beautiful place to grow up and I had a lot of amazing things but um I personally was definitely challenged with coming from a broken home and yeah kind of seeing my mum go through a lot of pain to do with that breakup for the rest of time she didn't ever re-get with someone or anything and I think I took a lot of unnecessary responsibility from like 14 years old onwards as kind of the man of the house but I wasn't a man yet I suppose and I still had a lot of things that I needed to be be explained and learn and, you know, I probably should have started seeing a psychologist as a child and I didn't do any of that. I just, you know, tried my best essentially and mostly good but definitely just trying to make the best of a pretty average situation, I suppose. I'm not complaining but, um, yeah, just being real. My mum's amazing so I've got that. But, yeah, childhood was a little bit messy to be honest. Mm, Well, thank you for your honesty. Um, I'm really sorry to hear that. And I do want to ask you a little bit more about what being a man means to you. And hopefully we do get to that. 
Um, but before we do that, I want to go to 2019, which is a very important and traumatic time in your life. And um, I would love to talk a little bit about what happened in your motorbike accident. So in 2019, you were hit by a car on your motorbike and you were very, very severely injured, collapsed lungs, broken bones in your spine, and you were told that you'd never lift heavy again. I wanted to ask what it was like waking up in hospital and what those weeks following in rehab were actually like. Like how did it feel sort of not being able to move and not knowing whether you would make it through, really? Yeah, it was all so surreal. It was, yeah, complete survival mode. There was no real emotion at all for the first few months even. Um, So like you, I'm a personal trainer or I was a personal trainer at the time and I've always kind of used my socials to, you know, talk about my clients and myself and my progress and everything going on in my life. I've always just been a bit of an open book because it was a, you know, marketing tool for me or whatever. Um, And then when the accident happens, you know, I just kind of kept going with that and kept um, kind of keeping people in the loop of what was going on because, yeah, I I feel like that's kind of like my little community that I had made and it felt important for me to kind of share my life a little bit. And um, and I think because I had chosen to do that, I had put myself in a position where maybe, uh, yeah, any – sadness or fear or all those things I didn't show anyone any of that and that was all I I, I don't even know if I felt it I was so good at masking it I pretty much woke up from the accident was not able to move told to lie the hell down and um yeah it was just a few days long process of slowly revealing what the injuries actually were as I got to hospital and got scans everywhere and everything and just yeah basically being told I had to lie still and not literally not move pretty much at all like eventually they're like oh you can scratch your head and stuff but like until then like really just try and keep your arms and your legs still and um I could feel I'm saying you wasn't paralyzed but um but yeah, when they kind of came in, they're like, oh, mate, you've, you've, you've broken your neck, you've broken your odontoid peg, you, you should be quadriplegic right now, you're very lucky, um, don't move your head, <laughs> keep it very still, or it might, um, you know, move its way in towards your brainstem and, and, and really mess you up, bro, buddy, so, so yeah, it was very frightening, to say the least, but yeah, I guess I wasn't... I wasn't very good at kind of feeling that fear at the time. I kind of just like stuffed it away a little bit and just kind of made made a bit of a joke of the whole situation, if you will. Um, it wasn't until like months down the track that I was still in this neck brace and still kind of going through the recovery that I started to really just get, yeah, mentally affected. And if we were to sort of go back to that time, because I know you've spoken about how you had kind of come out of that physical part of the recovery in terms of the neck brace and you'd done all your rehab and you were in this much better physical position and then you were hit with a cancer diagnosis. But may swear, it was pretty fucked up, <laughs> quite frankly. We, um, yeah, we weren't ready for it. I, 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 I'd just done my absolute best, you know, and, and gotten through the, gotten through this broken neck and, and everything. And I ended up, so I had a spinal fusion. It was about six months after the actual collision. I went to go get the neck brace taken off, getting all excited, telling work I'd be back the next couple of weeks. 
and then they're doing a few more scans and be like, mate, this whole six months, it hasn't actually healed at all. You're going to need a spinal fusion. Um, so it's like essentially that the, the recovery started from day dot again six months later. So I just felt very held back, you know. Um, and then I finally got through that, got this, got the operation, got it all done, and got got my job. And and yeah, got diagnosed with cancer about two months into my new job. And once again, it was it was it was almost surreal, you know. I was like, okay, um, here's another thing that I need to get over. I think I very quickly put on that that facade of like I'm in control and everything's going to be okay. I was with my partner at the time, was sitting there holding hands when we received the news, and you know, she instantly just couldn't contain her emotion. And so, I think being the bloke of the situation did. And um, and yeah, it, once you do, it's kind of like a bit like when when do I get to take this off and actually have a cry about this myself? Um, and it wasn't for like two or three weeks later, while I was like just having a bit of a binge drinking night with a bunch of friends at the house, and I just broke down in hysterical tears in the middle of like a fun, happy party. But I think just because I was drunk, my walls went down a little bit and I just I just cried my eyes out for a good hour or two just in the middle of this party. It was quite embarrassing, but it needed to happen. And um yeah, the cancer diagnosis, that was a that was a big blow, big blow for sure. Mate, honestly, like you think you got through one thing and then that got thrown into the mix and it was, you know, rounds and rounds of radiation there's a very powerful video on your instagram where you really document sort of the year of your recovery and you know there's parts of you like retching late at night of you like with no skin on your throat because the cancer was throat cancer and you know it's very obviously very confronting and sad to see someone who hasn't gone through it and i wanted to ask you What's something you wish people knew about cancer treatment and about the diagnosis? Because I know you've spoken a little bit about not feeling safe really until you got the all clear. Like what was that like living in, basically living in limbo for a year? Look, it doesn't even go away after you've received that remission notice either, to be honest, because what happened for me was I got, so I got diagnosed in January and um, I had an operation in January, maybe early February, and was told the operation was a success. They essentially go in and they just cut it out. Like basically your options are um, all cancers are different, right? There's all different ways to treat them. None, no two are the same essentially. Um, mine wasn't a really bad cancer. It was never life-threatening. The worst-case scenario for me was I always mispronounced this, but a laryngectomy where they – essentially just cut that part of your body out so you're no longer able to talk and you just essentially have a hole in your chest that you communicate through. Um, yeah, my, so throat, but vocal cord laryngeal was fine. Um, so my biggest fear was losing my voice. And as a, you know, outspoken male, that was a big fear of mine. And, um, yeah, I was already depressed enough, you know. Um, I was already on my antidepressants and fighting my own demons about other things and then kind of having the fear of losing that and like, well, what's the bloody point, you know? So um, it was, yeah, it was just, it was shit. It was just, there's no other way to put it. It was really shit. I got the surgery, thought I was recovering, recovered for about six months. You go in for regular checkups. One of the checkups, they said, mate, it looks like something's a bit funny looking in there. Let's do another biopsy. Got the biopsy result. 
positive for cancer still. So that was, once again, six months after my initial um, surgery. Yeah, it took a couple of months and it got really, really ugly. Um, for a while, I, I, I head and neck cancer, they say, is kind of essentially one of the worst ones to, to treat with radiation because, you know, there's so much, so much going on in your head and your neck. Um, essentially, everything goes past there, right? Um, mm-hmm. So mine was in my larynx, but I, I, I couldn't swallow food because also the inside of my throat was all melted out and stuff like a banana tasted like battery acid and um yeah, so I just kind of survived on ice cubes and um, blended up frozen eggs for, for about a month or so. And, um, yeah, we got there, though. You know, obviously you spoke just before, and this is a mental health podcast, that's the reason I have you on as well, is that, you know, this, and you said your depression was situational because you had this, these two very traumatic, very intense, life-changing situations happen very close to each other. Um and I wanted to ask you how you overcame that depression because, you know, you spoke about, um, you've spoken about on a podcast before, you know, sort of finding yourself sitting on the top of a cliff, just sitting there, just contemplating your existence and why you're there and whether or not you want to be there. And I, I would really love to know how you overcame that because, that is a huge achievement in itself to to still be here, really. I was in a really, really, really bad headspace for quite a lot of months. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd frequently have thoughts of self-harm. I would, I, it wasn't even self-harm. I just wanted to end my life, to be frank. And, um, oh, God, it's tricky to talk about. But, look, that that was real, and it felt so real at the time, and I felt so correct in my thought that you know my like what like my exist I you know we can all have a bit of an existential moment if we think about how small the earth is and how small our galaxy is and you know think how insignificant we all are as as people but I had that and then on top of that I had like all of this just self-worth is nothing because of all this shit that I'd kind of been going through my inability to essentially have a job and make an income was taken away from me and my sense of being a man with purpose and all that stuff kind of just got ripped out from under my feet for a number of years, really. And, um, and yeah, so I just didn't really know why I was here and what I was doing. So I think it all boils down to purpose and feeling like you belong and feeling like you are enough and feeling, um, you know, like you don't need to be something else, like you are right where you are in your life that you need to be to be, to go wherever you want to go. You know, it doesn't like whoever and wherever you are, that's correct. And um, it took just, yeah, getting to the point of being so fucking low. And um, look, I ended up on hospital on suicide watch and stuff. I, um, I stepped away from the cliff because of my family and everything. That's the reason. It was because I didn't want to leave any pain behind for other people because I'm not a bad person and I don't like hurting people. And a few days or weeks later when I was just kind of just this whole thing was just, I was just kind of sitting on the beach just chilling and I just thought to myself, you know what, like by this stage I hadn't really talked about mental health at all on any of my um, platforms. It's just been like, is this 
thing that I'm doing to try and improve is this, is that. I'm the motivational guy. Look, I'm still going. Like, I thought, you know what? Fuck this. And I just put up a post being like, you know, hi, everyone. Being really raw here for a second and letting you know that I've been really mentally unwell for the last maybe six months or so. I've actually been quite suicidal and life's been really hard and but I'm doing better and just, you know, don't idolize me as some guy that's always got it together because I'm not, you know, and I don't want to be one of those people that other people look up to thinking I'll never like I look at that perfect life and that perfect mindset because it's not, you know, it's not always on point. It's a highlight reel of things that I want to share. There's more to me than that, you know, and I just thought, fuck this. I'm going to be real with my audience and it just resonated real hard. And, um, and because I still wasn't working at the time and stuff, it felt quite rewarding for me internally to have so many people come back and be like, bro, thank you for posting this. I felt like this so fucking much myself. Yeah. Congratulations. You're really relatable. And, and, and I respect that. And I thought, you know what, this is awesome. I'm going to wear this hat a little bit for a while, just being the, the real honest motivational mood instead of just like the tips and tricks guy if you will I know you're a very physical guy and um you know both uh, both of us working in fitness you know that's a huge part of what we do is is exercise but what are some of the other things that you do every day to to manage your own mental health like what do you put in place that are non-negotiable to make sure that you're mentally fit and strong yeah look at the end of the day for me it comes down at the moment to taking care of number one whatever that looks like, I I really, like, you can do it. I've learned by experience that if you, um, well, because I'm, because I was around or whatever you want to say, a personal trainer, I still have that kind of mindset of like, well, I need to be helping other people constantly. And it's awesome and great. And I'm not going to stop. But at the same time, I need to make sure my own cup is very full Non-negotiables, look, waking up is a good start. Making sure you're out of bed as close to the sunrise as possible, I found is really good. Gym, meditation, eat well, say nice things to other people. Don't waste your time. Um, yeah, mental, mental health is such a large sphere of things that we can, we can really help in so many ways and it's such an individual thing. Above, above all the things that we can, like, do the little task. I think it's. I think it's all about purpose. Like I said before, feeling like you're really in tune with your own purpose in this world. Um, like you're making little baby steps towards whatever your goal is. It's pretty hard to not be mentally t- put together quite well if you're slowly working towards a goal that you're excited about. I don't think you can really be super upset if that's the case. If that makes sense. Certainly does. And on that note, to end on a very positive note, um, as always, I like to finish the conversation around gratitude. And Jake, I'd love to know what you're most grateful for today. And it can be anything, can be several things. What are you most grateful for today? Um, definitely not grateful for this El Nina weather front that we've got running through the country at the moment. It is just pouring down and not stopping. Um. Actually, you know what? I'll take that back. I'm grateful for rain. It helps the grass grow. That's fine. I am most, most grateful for, look, I'm really glad I got to speak to you. It's been a long time coming and I've really, really admired your podcast. I've listened to a bunch of them and I think you're amazing. So meeting you, I'm, I'm humbled and grateful for that. Uh, look, 
having all my limbs, having having my health, having you know beautiful people in my in my family and my friendship circle. Um, you know, my partner. Just, that I can look at anything and be grateful for it. I think I'm pretty lucky to have gone through such a shitstorm that I can come out the other side of it and literally each day is a blessing. Um, I, I, I honestly should have died in that bike accident. I broke my odontoid peg at a high speed. I should not be here. So everything's good. I'm grateful for a lot of it. And the, the, the pain it all was, the growth it all brought me, I'm, I'm just yeah, kind of stoked today. I'm probably nine and a half out of 10 feeling good. <laughs> I love that. And I'm very grateful to have you on. You're right. It has been a long time coming and I feel feel great that you've enjoyed some of the episodes and I know lots of people will get a lot of inspiration from you um, out of this as well. So I want to say a huge thank you for joining us. All right, so take care. Thank you for listening. Episodes drop every Monday morning and you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on your favourite podcast app. Remember to take 10 and check on the man you love today.